And uh, this is day eight of Pathways Personified. Uh, I hope you've been encouraged and uh, equipped and edified on your journey so far in, in your growth groups and your growth group discussions and through the Pathway Journal, our devotionals, uh, which have been really awesome this year, uh, and I've really appreciated those in the worship experience and just in your own personal prayer time. The big idea of Pathways Personified is this, that we as the body of Christ, it's our calling to personify the characteristics of God in this lost and hurting world. You know, uh, I think that uh, Ricky Reconte may have put it best uh, in day six of the Pathways devotional. She wrote this, our fire should illuminate not burn. That really impacted me, and I thought that was kind of a touchdown type statement, but I'd like to attempt, if I may, to uh, try to get an extra point off of that. Uh, uh, historically, this, this, this idea of, of a fire, uh, before electricity and batteries, uh, before central heating and air, conditioning. My wife and I often wonder how people lived in the South before air conditioning. It must have been brutal. Uh, But a fire was essential for human existence. A fire gave off light. It gave off heat. Uh, People cooked on it. It was a a, a mechanism for, for safety and also comfort. You've heard the saying, uh, We'll keep the fire lit for you. Have you heard that? Right, yeah. I mean, it's a common saying. It's, it, it doesn't really mean anything uh, today uh, because we usually don't keep a fire lit for somebody. We'll turn on the porch light or something like that. But basically, in the, in the day before there was porch lights and all this, keeping a fire lit for someone communicated something. It communicated that they were welcome. It communicated that the host was ready to accept guests. And I think fire is important to someone's well-being, emotionally, spiritually, metaphorically, that, that, that fire uh, is this important image in the human psyche. But it is also a sign of invitation. And a life of invitation is the personification of God. Watch this video with me. For me, like, somebody just telling me about something doesn't really do it. I kind of have to experience it for myself, and I feel like that's kind of how I try to bring it up with other people. Like, just try it out, just check it out, just see for yourself. Hey, you, like, come check this out for yourself. Like, you'll see, trust me. When I first got my Kindle Fire, I literally texted like 50 people. I was like, I just got a Kindle Fire. Like, because that's what I feel like you do when you're excited about something, you want to tell everyone about it. So it's like, it's the same way. If you're really experiencing Jesus, you want to tell everyone about it because you're like, man, look at this thing I just got. Like, so I'm like, I'm this excited about a Kindle Fire. Like, come on, this is the savior of the world. I mean, it's sometimes it is definitely awkward at first, like to break that first encounter of like, 
bringing up Jesus in conversation with someone, like it's definitely awkward. It's not like an easy thing. Usually I feel like people are genuinely interested once you kind of like break that awkward barrier of like, yeah, I go to church, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like people aren't like, oh, you're a freak. Sometimes they're kind of like, okay, that's not for me. But a lot of times they're like, oh, cool. Cause a lot of people I feel like maybe they went to church when they were younger or something and they kind of fell out of it and just waiting for someone to ask. The fear of like talking about it is just, I don't know, it's like what if that person that told you about Jesus had felt that fear and didn't do it, where would you be? What if the person who first invited you to church didn't do it because they got scared, you would never be at church? Like, And think about all those people in your life that have made an impact on your spiritual walk, like what if they held back and didn't say that? Like, So think of all those people that you could be impacting. That's hold, that fear is holding you back or whatever is holding you back. I brought a friend once um, to the seven o'clock service and was like, can I raise my hands during worship? And I was like, of course, like that's what this like place is about, is about comfort and freedom to raise your hands during worship. That person would miss out on that experience because if I was too afraid or if anyone was too afraid to ask that person at work or that person at school, like they're gonna miss out on that kind of experience. And like, that's, it's just not fair to like, be like, I have this wonderful church, I'm not gonna tell anyone to come because it's mine and I don't want anyone to like experience it too. My name is Megan and I am Invitation. Wanna, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry. Megan touched on, on something in her interview that I think is a commonly held view, but it really doesn't play out in real life. It's the view that, that an invitation is a negative. I can't think, I was thinking about the, this this week, I can't think of an instance in my life where I was upset because somebody invited me to something. Like, I don't think that that conversation has ever existed. Like, you know, I can't believe Sally, you know, invited me to the concert. Who she thinks she is or something like that. I mean... We just, we're not insulted by people inviting us into things that they care about. It just, it, does, it doesn't happen, unless, I mean, you're really unhealthy or a whack job or something like that. But, you know, if you're in the continuum that you shouldn't be, like, locked away, it's usually a pretty endearing, wonderful thing that happens when, when you're invited. The problem comes is when you are not invited to something, right? I, I think kind of a universal experience for all of us, we've been upset when we haven't been invited to something that we quite honestly think we should have been. We thought we were close with that person. We think we're fun people. You know, we never think about ourselves as like, oh man, I'll be such a drag on this situation, right? No, we're always like, you know, it's like, why didn't they invite me? And I think that a lot of times when we kind of go from Kindle fire or, or concerts, and we go into the spiritual realm that we, we get a little funky on the whole invitation thing. But really, you know, invitation uh, uh, to anything that's important to you is not insulting to someone else if you're doing it in a healthy way. Like, think about it. Uh, Megan got her, uh, her Kindle Fire, and she wanted to tell people about it. Do you think that she sat there and was fretful of what the Mac people would think? You know, oh, 
I don't want to offend the iPod or pad users. I mean, they have enough problems. You know, they don't, they don't, I, uh, <laughs> sorry, just, uh, just offended like half of you. But uh, it's all right. I'm an equal opportunity offender. So, uh, but this idea that, you know, I, and I'm sure if you've just rolled it back in your head, you can't really come up or very rare come up with a, with a time that you were offended because you were invited. And the truth is that uh, even uh, farther, a personal invitation, you know, I, mean, I, I, I think like an invitation, like if something's put on your car window, it's not really an invitation, right? It's kind of a mass marketing thing. Or, or even Facebook uh, invitations, even though those are marginally real, uh, that, that chances are, you know, you're just getting spammed and you just happen to be in somebody's network or something. But, but really a personal invitation where, where somebody comes up to you or I come up to you and I, I'm like, Don, you know, would uh, you and Daryl like to come over to my home for dinner? You know, I, I, you may hate my guts. You may like not like what you're going to be fed or something like that, but you're not going to be offended. You may make an excuse why you can't come, which most people do, but, but, uh, but you don't have, you know, it's more of a feeling of like, oh, I've been invited, not that you feel excluded or dishonored because you're invited. And I think that we need to have a fundamental shift in our thinking when it comes to invitation and inviting people uh, into a relationship with, with God, or at least inviting them to explore what it means to, to journey toward a loving God. You know, I think uh, uh, perhaps no other parable of Christ really speaks into this idea of invitation better than Luke uh, in, in chapter 14, starting in fifth verse 15, and uh, you may want to turn to your Bibles uh, there, and I'm just going to read the parable. It's, it's short, but I think it communicates so much, and then we'll circle back around, and we'll, we'll kind of dig in a little bit into uh, really what Jesus is trying to communicate. So verse 15, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I now have a wife. I can't come. <laughs> right? Obviously, that resonates with some of you. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still more room. 
Then he said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. And then he says this very kind of uh, difficult sentence at the end. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, I just pray as we look at this parable, this story about what it means to personify invitation, that we can have a fundamental shift in how we view invitation, that we will not be a people of fear or judgment, but we will be a people of invitation, an invitation to your relational banquet. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, right off the bat, Jesus is trying to answer a, qu- a question of what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like, what, uh, what it's going to be like to be in the unbuffered presence of God. So, he uses this parable, uh, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And, you know, right off the, right off the bat, you know, we're not talking about a banquet a physical banquet. We're, we're, we're talking about the unbuffered relational presence of God. The banquet is God's, is a metaphor of God, unbuffered connection with God. But also, go to the next part and, and, and see, notice what God does. You know, notice what He does. He sends out invitations. He doesn't send out summons. You know, you have been, you know, hereby compelled to appear. He doesn't send out demands, he doesn't send out threats, he doesn't send out scare tactics, you know, if you don't come to my house, you know, you're going to fall into a sinkhole and my house is the only place. No, he sends out an invitation to, to what? Something in most of our minds that is a very pleasant experience. We all love banquets, right? Banquets are cool. Like we go to weddings so we can go to the banquet. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, you know, this idea, we want to go where there's going to be, you know, plenty of food and drink and dancing and music and friends and, and, and celebration. Banquets are cool. God's not inviting you to make big rocks into small rocks or to, you know, uh, siphon water out of a swamp and filter it. No, He's inviting you to a banquet, something that is pleasurable. So this is what happens. He sends out many invitations. He's not stingy. You know, this idea of like, you know, this is not, you know, God created an intimate, you know, meal with like wine and cheese and a candle for just you and him. No, this is a big banquet where tons of people are going to be different people. Your, you know, your crazy aunt's going to be dancing all weird. And, and, and you know, people are going to be you know, doing stuff that, that just normally wouldn't happen in, in the context of just an intimate dinner. No, this is the idea of a festivity, of a party, uh, of fun. And then in verse 17, he says, When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come. The banquet is ready. Well, okay, right? You know, this, this is the, the idea. And I think it's critical to this parable that the guests were not told to come. 
until the banquet is ready. You know, I don't know if you've ever been invited to something and they weren't prepared uh, for you to, uh, to, to be there. Uh, my wife uh, was invited to a running group this morning at 6 a.m., running out of Premier. And uh, my normal ritual is, is uh, I get up uh, early and I, and I pray for as many people as I can think of. Then I pray uh, for our community and I read through the scripture that I'm going to be teaching, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's usually a pretty quiet time, but Shannon was meant to be running. Well, I hear the garage door open at like 6.30 and I knew she was going to be running like 12 miles this morning. And she's fast, but she's not that fast. And, and I'm like, what happened? And she's all like, nobody showed up. I mean, this idea of like, she was invited to go and run, but they weren't prepared for her to go there. In fact, they didn't even bother to show up. And this is, this is the idea that I think a lot of times we as followers of Christ and, and we as, as the church, that, that a lot of times we send the invitation before we are ready to, to personify the love and care of God. And that can lead to very damaging kind of effects. Some people feel abandoned. Some people feel forgotten. Some people feel like they're, they're, they're not ready, you know, they, that, that they weren't welcome or the people didn't have the capacity to welcome them after they were invited. I think it's true a lot of times for newer churches, and it was true for E3, that, that we had a lot more people than we uh, were able to, to love and care for. And one of the cool things about today is I can, with every bit of integrity, uh, tell you, you know what, E3 is a place that we've worked very hard to be able to be ready, to be that invitation for people to experience who God is and what He wants for their lives. So, I want, you know, I want you to notice and really put it this, when the banquet was ready, He sent His servants but the host did not go himself. The servant went as an ambassador, as the personification of the host, in this case, God. And I think that when we personify the characteristics of God, which one is invitation, invitation to be in relationship with him, that we are, we are living out that, that life of invitation. There's another thing that, that's true about invitations, what is an invitation's responsibility? Like, think about it this way. You're going to throw a party or you want to invite somebody to something. So you create the invitation. What, what do you want that invitation to do? It's not a trick question. Tell, yeah, tell people. It, it's basically the who, what, why, where, right? It's just, you know, who, who's coming? You or you're invited, you know, what is it? It's a party, it's a whatever, you know, it's a church gathering, it's a, it's a barbecue cook-off, it's, a, you know, whatever it is. When is it? Where is it? You know what's not the responsibility of the invitation? To decide who gets invited. Like, have you ever looked at your invitation and said, Okay, good. Go find some people you think I'd like. Right? No. You don't look at an invitation that way. It is not our responsibility to choose 
Who's been invited to the party? We are the invitation. We are the who, what, why, when, and where, and it is our responsibility, and believe me, this is more than any of us can handle anyway, is to be uh, uh, an invitation that is worthy of the host. Continues on, verse 18, but they all began making excuses. One said, I had just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Okay, who buys a field without inspecting it first, right? If you do that here in Tallahassee, congratulations, you're a proud owner of a swamp. You, you, know, you, you look at the field before you purchase it. So this person's obviously an idiot. So the next guy said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. I have no idea what that means, but, but, but you're not being a farmer or a rancher or anything. But apparently, you know, probably, you know, again, should have tried them out before, before he, he bought them, you know. Uh, and then the last one, which I, I think is the most valid, and we all laughed, uh, laughed about it. And another said, I have a wife, so I can't come. Believe me. 90% of my invitations, I respond with that. I have a wife. I can't come. You know, I mean, that's just, I mean, this is part of being married. And other than that, that's okay. But, but notice, I want you to jump back down to verse 24, to that harsh statement. For none of these, or those I first invited, will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. This is the real tough kind of thing. And this is what we need to realize. Just because someone chooses not to come doesn't mean that they were not invited. I think that this is one of the things that, that people who are, you know, worldly and, and are so intellectual and, and they, they like to kind of uh, put Christians into a corner and say, do you think that Jesus is the only way to heaven? And we talked about this in great length in previous series, but, but essentially the question is, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to Jesus? Do you believe that God is the only way to God? Do you believe accepting an invitation is the only way to go to the party? Yes. I, if somebody chooses to inspect land, if somebody chooses to try out oxen, if somebody, because of their relational connections, is not able to respond to the invitation, it does not mean they were not invited. It just means that they chose not to accept the invitation. And as grieving as that makes us, the reality is there is a banquet. The reality is that there has been an invitation given. And it's really up to the individual to make room and space in their life to be able to accept that invitation. I mean, just going back down, if I like Don and Daryl come to my house and, and have dinner, they have been invited. But if we're like, no, I got that thing. Oh, we just bought a field. We want to inspect it. Oh, we got, 
you know, five pairs of oxen, we want to try them out. Actually, at that point, I'd say, I want to come and try them out too. <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, if Daryl, like, tells Don, I now have another wife or something, then we got a whole other set of problems and dinner's off anyway. So, uh, you know, that, you know, it is, it is my, it is, you know, when you give an invitation, and it is we as the invitation, it is our responsibility to give the who, what, why, when, where, to be a re- good representation of the actual thing that they're being invited to. It is not our responsibility, it's not my responsibility in the, in the analogy between uh, Daryl and Don for me to say, let me look at your uh, day planner and let me organize your life so you can accept my invitation. No, that is their responsibility to, to organize and to either accept my invitation or not accept my invitation. It's not... It, it's not hateful. It's not hurtful. It's, it's nothing. It just is. We're, we accept this in every other aspect of life. But for some reason, we won't accept, accept it in spirituality. And it's just intellectually and spiritually dishonest. So again, it, us as the invitation, it's not our responsibility to choose who gets invited. It is the host's responsibility. And, So when the servant returns and tells the master what they had said, the master was furious. And he said, go quickly into the streets, the alleys of the towns, and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So now the master has said, you know what? Those who I originally invited don't want to come. What's the heart? What's the heart here of the master? Is is the, the heart that, you know what? Oh, forget it. We're not going to have a party. No one then can come. No, the, the heart is, you know what? I have this relational space. I have this overflow. I have this abundance. And I want to share these good things with others. And if the first invitees refuse not to, you know, they choose not to come, then I'm going to invite everyone else until the house is full. In verse 22, after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Now, I think a lot of times we like Bibleize kind of this kind of stuff and, and we think, oh, you know, people in, the Bi- in Bible times who live behind hedges, well, they were, they were good, and they were, they were desirable people. No. People who live behind hedges have been the same for all of eternity. They live behind a hedge. It's no different. What's being communicated here is, you know what? You're invited. But if you choose not to be in the unbuffered presence of, presence of God... I'm gonna, he's, gonna, he's going to continue inviting because his desire is to have a reconciled relationship with his creation. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're lame or you're blind. And, and I mean, physically, but of course, this is more spiritually speaking. 
And, and so many of us are spiritually lame, spiritually blind. So many of us kind of live out in, in the spiritual country lanes, and, and many of us have and do live behind the spiritual bush. And the resounding good news of the invitation is, hey, guy behind the bush, guess what? You too are invited to the banquet. And there's going to be all sorts of goodness there. And there's going to be all sorts of different people there of different languages and different races, of, of you know, different backgrounds. And it is going to be a big mashup party. And it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting and it's going to be relational. But I think that the, the most important thing for us to have a paradigm shift in, in our own minds is just that. Is, you know what, it is not offensive to invite somebody, personally invite somebody into something that you care about, that is meaningful to you. I mean, unless it's your first time here this morning, that this place means something to you because you've returned and you've come back. That there's something significant. And some of the saddest conversations that, that I hear around here is when, when two people who know the, each other in, in, a, in another context, uh, that they see each other here and, and the conversation kind of goes like this. Hey, Bob, you know, what are you doing here? I've been going here for years. I love E3. It's my church family. I love the music. You know, the teaching, eh, hit or miss. You know, the, the, you know, you know they, they have great coffee. You know, he's like, he's like, wow, why, did, why didn't you tell me? Not that this is the banquet. It's not. It's more the pre-party. But, but, uh, but the idea of, you know what, this is, the, this is the, the, the open door. This is the foretaste of what it means to do, li do life uh, uh, together, to uh, hopefully experience God a little bit more and to be able to be encouraged and equipped and edified in the context of community and to be able to shed relational and spiritual and emotional baggage and become the healthy women and men that God has envisioned us to be. But remember, you know what? It's not our responsibility as the invitation to decide who's been invited. It is our responsibility to live a life of invitation that is so large that it could only be by the grace of God. I want to encourage you, uh, Pastor Dan alluded to it, but um, we decided to uh, print up some, some invites. And during this series, we've done a lot of things to begin conversations, the free uh, Pathways personified t-shirts, uh, definitely the, the Pathway devotionals, and, and also these little uh, You've Been Invited uh, business cards. Now, uh, 
it, it's our hope that you guys will be wearing, you know, the shirts and, and, and having a couple of extra devotionals with you, but also, you know, pick up some of these on, on your way out that you've been invited. Uh, we made them wallet size, so you can put them in your wallet so, you know, you don't have to, like, be carrying around big <laughs> cards. But if you're in conversation with somebody and, and you're, you know, you have, you're living a life of invitation to be able to be able to go, hey, you know what? Here's something that's meant something to me, and it might mean something to you, and I'd like to invite you. Uh, here's the address, you know, and something like this. This is not to be, you know, don't go to the football game and put this on people's windshields. That just makes people hate us. No, this is a personal thing to, to go, and, and I can guarantee you that no one will be mad at you for inviting them. Now, if you, you know, stock them and all that kind of stuff, yeah. But I'm talking about, you know, normal relational rules, right? No one's going to be upset. So I want to, we want to resource you guys. We, we believe with all integrity that our church, you guys, I'm not talking about the pastors, I'm talking about our church. We are at a relational place where we can love and care for people and that with great integrity we can ask people if you're ready we're we are ready you guys pray with me dear god thank you for this time in this place god i pray a petition that this will be a place of invitation that this will be a place that we are a living invitation that everyone in our relational circles know that they are invited, that this is a place that works tirelessly to remove barriers from people experiencing our God, you. God, I just pray as we lift up our voices that you will just fill this place that you will be so thick and that you will transform our thinking about invitation. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.